is Sigatak sexologist reporting from Iceland. Just driving back from Copavagor. I was uh, had a hens do. What's a bachelorette party? Yeah, isn't it called a hens? Not a do. It's a stag night. Is it a hens hens night? Well, I guess. Anyway, hens or bachelorette. So, I do stand up comedy, or you know, stand up comedy slash marital sex advice to um, the bride to be. And these are quite popular in Iceland. I guess they're probably in a similar format as they are in other parts of the world. So usually they try to surprise um, the bachelorette and they go, the, the usual program is that they start by having brunch at somebody's house and they're usually the first performer enters, which for this case was me um, in this case. Um, and then they usually go out do something outdoorsy then they might go to a spa and they might just like make her have her make a fool of herself just a little bit it was not like that for my bachelors because i my bachelor party because i specifically said that i did not want to go somewhere and make a fool of myself and they respected that although they did scare me a little bit that i was about to but then in the end it was a joke well anyway so um and then usually they end the night at somebody's place where they have food and just get drunk and create and I don't know just chat or sometimes they have um, like a sex toy show showing as well and then they can all buy themselves sex toys and often that's actually quite popular. But so anyway, um, I started doing these hens or yeah I'm gonna use inter changeably enter inter. It's like it's like I can't speak English. I just stutter all the time. So I'm gonna change between hens and bachelorettes. Just what, whichever we use the Icelandic equivalent of hens in Icelandic. Although we don't call it hens, we call it goose. I just realized it's geisen. So it's goosing, not hens. Hmm, that's interesting. I wonder where it comes from. I wonder why they would like say hens or stags, and then in the states they say bachelor and bachelorette. Hmm, it's interesting. Well, anyway, so what I've realized, and I love doing this. I don't even—I don't remember how or when it started. I just—I um, think somebody saw a lecture of mine, and they were like, "Okay, she's quite funny," um, which came uh, as a huge surprise to me that people found me funny. I've never found myself particularly funny, and I have often thought that I didn't have a lot of sense of humor. And uh, yeah, I've never considered myself particularly funny. Or never tried to be funny, and I can never remember jokes. So I always thought, you know, people remember jokes; those people are funny. But uh, I can never remember jokes, and I don't really laugh at jokes. I don't particularly find them funny. Um, I don't like the movies that kind of have the slapstick humor and the Dumb and Dumber and these movies. It's just nothing about it appeals to me. I don't laugh when people fall or hurt themselves. I just cringe. So I always thought myself as kind of a humorless unfunny person so when um, I started started my lectures in uh, 2010 2011 it came as a as a shock to me when people were like oh you're but you're super funny I'm like really am I hmm that's interesting so that kind of evolved and I think it was like probably three years ago that I got asked to do my first hands hands party and I was like hmm well it's not really my thing, you know, but yeah, what the hell, I'll, I'll try it out. And 
I consider it more of an educational thing than an entertain, ent- like, like being an entertainer. I just thought, like, okay, I'll go there and give them some piece of marital advice, sex advice, and that'll be it. But then somehow I, um, it kind of evolved into this really, I guess, edgy uh, kind of piece of humor about, of course, marital life and the sex life. I mean, sex life in a long-term relationship. You need to be able to laugh about it or it's just going to go south really fast. Uh, go south. That might actually work in their advantage if you think about it because it's all about going south often, isn't it? Hmm. Well, not all, you know, but it's relevant. Well, anyway... So what I've noticed since doing these hands, or and, and the reason I'm only talking about hands, by the way, is that I rarely get often to do stacks or bachelor parties. It's just like uh, um, for the those three or four years that I've been doing these parties, I've probably had like five, five parties that have asked me and they've usually asked me with really short notice. So usually like, only a couple of days before or even on the same day they've called me up and go hey are you are you somewhere available we thought it'd be a good idea um but usually for a hands or bachelorette i get a couple of weeks noticed more than a couple of weeks so usually a couple of months at least um and these fill up quite they fill up quite early because it's often on saturday nights and you can only do so and so many gigs on saturday night because they're spread out and you have to drive and I mean, each gig is around an hour, and so, I mean, the dates fill up quite quickly. So anyway, what I was trying to get to, I'm sorry, I need to take a sip of this. I'm drinking my own homemade boost. You probably don't even know, smoothie, that's the word you guys use. We use boost. I don't even know why. Hmm. Delicious. It's food on the go, food on the go for the lady who often forgets to eat when she's working we also anyway um so what i've noticed is that doing these hands is that women often reveal a lot about themselves their ideas about sex and how they are experiencing sex within their long-term relationship it's usually often cis hetero white women because that is the majority of iceland and it's really funny when you have, I had, um, there were two lesbians in one of the, one um, hands that I did the other, other day. And the other women were like, oh, but we have two lesbians. You have, to, you, have to, you have to realize that we have two lesbians here. And they like pointed them out and those girls were like, hey, we're the lesbians. I'm like, okay, well, this applies to you guys too. Even, if even though you might not be dealing with the dick, it's the, you know, being in a long-term relationship, you still need to figure how to communicate about sex and about life and balancing everything and and it was so funny because they were like but but they're lesbians don't you need to like say different things I'm like well the penis jokes might not relate to them but the other stuff that that's totally true I mean that's regardless of of sexual orientation so I always find it fascinating when people kind of divide it up but um what I have noticed with these women um and I love doing these I love doing this. It's so much fun, and it it gives me insight into women that I that might not be discussing these things with me, and I don't know them, and I'm not doing a research project. I'm just there for an hour, and we get into the nitty gritty of things. 
So they had been talking a lot about the expectation of the penis. I call it awakening the penis and how scared they are to awaken the penis. So they walk on eggshells around the penis. They don't want to wake it up because if they wake it up, they are responsible for putting it to sleep. And everybody knows there's only one way to put a penis to sleep. And that is orgasm. And how do you reach orgasm? By intercourse. And what do we know about intercourse for them ladies with them vulvas? That it can often be unsatisfying, boring and unorgasmic. Yep, heard here first. And this just happened with the hens too, the hens that I was just at. Oh, oh, ambulance, driving really fast. Go to the other lane, people. Um, and this just happened to the hens that I was in. Or they just started discussing that. They're like, but you know, we're just trying to have a quiet, quiet evening over here, trying to be like romantic and cute. And then you notice that his penis, you know, is like hard and out there. And I'm like, oh my God, the penis. And I'm like trying not to look at its way. Try to not, I try to like, I'm not acknowledging it. I'm totally ignoring it. And I'm just hoping it will go away. And I'm hoping that he won't bring it up. Seeing as I'm not giving it any attention. And and I'm just like, but it's a penis. You know, it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. It's not always up because it's aroused. I mean, he might be aroused, but he might not be aroused. It's just, it's how the penis works. It's like a yo-yo. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. It's just important for the penis to get... Um, Oxygen and oxygen is carried by the blood. So if if he never had an erection, then we would be worried. But having an erection, it doesn't actually mean that you are obliged to do something or forced to do something. It just means he has an erection. I mean, he might might not even be feeling sexual, even though he seems to be aroused in your eyes. And we were discussing this and they were like, huh, I never thought about it that way. So what I've noticed is that there becomes this um, gap, this intimacy gap within relationships. Whereas people are so afraid to, they're so afraid to like start something that they won't finish. You know, we haven't had that saying, don't start something until unless you intend on finishing it. So they're so afraid of starting something and then maybe leaving their partner disappointed or uh, or they feel rejected because they didn't want to have sex with them. So they're rejecting their partner. And it's all these unsaid messages that relay into this. And it's all these kind of, they go off in um, different kinds of tangents when they're talking about this because they just have this idea that this is what the man expects. If the penis awakens, it expects to be served and that's what I'm telling them I'm like girls like has your has your husband ever said this to you like if he awakens I expect to be served I expect to be serviced I expect to orgasm within the next 15 minutes they're like no no but we just know you just know about the penis and that's all these things that we think we know that we don't actually know and it's just a lack of communication like people have just never really talked about it so I feel that sometimes the penis can be doing men like a huge disservice because women have all these different ideas about how they should connect to it and not connect to it and what's okay and what isn't okay 
And um, and I did um, a stand-up show last night for the pirate party in Iceland. How cool is it that we have a pirate party? I mean, how hilarious is that? Not not like I'm not making fun of them. I'm just saying it's I mean it's cool. They have like a pirate flag and and they actually are in parliament and um, and local governments and stuff. Uh, so they are influential and and uh, I mean they make sense. So uh, this is the third time that I've done like a stand-up gig for them. The first one was uh, Volvas in Politics, Volvas Pirates in Politics, which actually, actually in Icelandic sounds really cool because um, Volva in Icelandic is Pika. So it's Pika, Politics and Piratar, or Pirates, you know, Pika, Pirates and Politics. It was very poetic and they even made like little keychains, really cool. Anyway. So I was, um, yeah. So I was there last night, and it was uh, the feminist, the feminist party of the, or the feminist group of the pirate party, um, had this kind of. Uh, it's probably not a fundraiser, just like a, just like a fun night. And there I was talking about that. I was talking about the penis and the vulva and how we are trying to connect to one another, but our culture and our world is just so different and the messages that we get and it's so hard for us to try to understand one another unless we use language and yes unless we use our words and then unless we start to verbalize our experience feelings and thoughts but then there's always that underlying theme of rejection we're so scared of being rejected and I mean rightfully so it's it's hard to be rejected and it's hard to be in a relationship and to you think you know somebody and then they say something that you're like what like this um this woman who wrote to me i get a lot of uh a lot of mail or well not i get email and i get com- uh, personal messages on facebook so i got on my facebook page so i got um a personal message from a woman icelandic woman who had been with her husband for 10 years they had two kids and the relationship was fine but she had never orgasmed until a couple of months ago so she's just started uh, masturbating she orgasmed and then she was like i just i just saw the world in a different way like i just took off my glasses and I could just see and then I was like wow my sex life really sucks and my husband doesn't seem to care or notice and we're just doing it the same old way but now it's not good enough like I don't just want to have intercourse with him and he'll just kiss me for three minutes no three minutes she said two he'll just kiss me for two minutes and then he's just supposed to get on top of me and orgasm and I just I won't have it anymore so we were going through um in what ways they might change what they're doing and she might get him to verbalize and she might you know open up and talk to him and well I eventually suggested that they would go see a sex therapist to help them navigate these waters but this is also a common theme that I've noticed like women not only do they not expect to orgasm and when I say women of course I'm overgeneralizing this does not apply to all women but to the majority of women that I meet in these bachelorette and hence parties, it does. This does apply. They don't, um, not only do they not expect to orgasm, they don't demand to orgasm. And sure, I've been on the boat of 
okay, well, we, let's not make it all about the orgasm. Let's not be so goal oriented or oriented. Um, let's make it about pleasure as well and just, you know, enjoying the ride and not just the destination, blah, blah. But Betty Dodson, she came to Iceland in 2015. We had her as a keynote at a conference, the Nordic Association of um, Clinical Sexology that is hosted every year in different Nordic countries. I seriously suggest that you check it out. But uh, it's in Finland this year, but I'll tell you more about that later. But Betty Dawson said, said something to me when we met, and I thought it was quite profound. Um, and it's really impacted me, as she has probably with almost everyone that she's met and talked to. Um, she said, you know what? I'm so tired of saying to women that sex can be okay without orgasm because you never say that to men they never think about sex without orgasm they just expect it to be a part of it and I want women to expect it as well I want it to be a part of their sex life and not just keep on telling them oh you know what you can enjoy sex without orgasm she's like because women know that they're doing it all the time but now then we need more we need better for women like women need they deserve more And this is really, this really resonated with me. It really stuck with me. Oh, can you hear the raindrops falling on my um, windshield? It was super nice out before, sunny and everything. But now it's like sunny and rain. It's like it's weather forecast. Um, yeah, so... And, and this really... It stuck with me. And I was like, hmm, she makes a good point. So how are you going to be excited about sex if your feelings surrounding it and your experience of it is not pleasure and and th then we go into the whole do you allow yourself pleasure and that's often when they laugh a lot in the hence parties or bachelorette parties is when I talk about pleasure like where in life do we allow ourselves pleasure also another person that said something to me quite profound was um, she's, uh, she's called um, Dan Tenim I hope I'm pronouncing your name okay then. Um, I hope it's okay for me to say this. I haven't actually asked you permission. But um, we were talking and uh, she said she hates the word word um, guilty pleasure. And I was like, hmm, wow, that's quite interesting. Why? She's like, because if it's pleasure, you shouldn't feel guilty. So it's like, it doesn't make sense to say guilty pleasure. And I thought about this. And this is actually so true because we have a lot of shame and guilt surrounding sex. So it almost feels like you're cheating yourself or you're cheating your spouse out of an orgasm or a sexual experience if you masturbate or experience pleasure by yourself. And it's like um, we were talking about when women go, go to a cafe or a restaurant and they never just order dessert for, the, for themselves. They're always like, okay, girls, are you gonna, are you gonna dive in? You have to share this with me. I can't, are you guys definitely gonna order dessert? Because I'm not gonna order dessert unless you guys order dessert. It's like, we always need, or we often need permission from those around us to be able to enjoy. So it's like, we can't enjoy sex for us. We need permission from our partner to enjoy sex and then it has to be on the partner's terms and with the partner so I asked the ladies I was like okay guys have you ever you know just like you ever had a hard time going to sleep so you just masturbated because it's the best natural sleeping aid you know if you, if you just have mild insomnia uh, or just a hard time getting to sleep that night and I was like have you guys ever just masturbated next to your partner and then gone to sleep and they were just like what 
there's this one woman there out of 13. She was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, sure. I was like, okay, what about if your partner masturbates next to you? And they were quite offended. They were like, I would be so offended. I would be like, dude, at least, you know, see if I'm interested. I'm like, why wouldn't you just, like, if you started masturbating, couldn't you offer your interest and be like, hey, honey, I see what you're doing over there. I'd really like to be a part of it. Or can I watch? Or can I hold you? Or can I kiss you while you do it? Oh, it's turning me on. But, you know, don't, don't worry. I'll just watch you. Or I'll do me while you do you. Or whatever. But they were like, no, I don't. I don't want to have the initiative. And that's what I've also realized is that, you know, oh, we have all these media outlets like teen movies. If you if you watch teen movies, um, it totally reinforces the role that we're quite passive, that the men should know what to do and how to do it. And we kind of wait. So we never initiate sex. And we're like, when do we get to? And when should we? And how should we? initiate sex but then it goes back into a loop and we go I don't want to initiate sex when he expects intercourse and I'm not really feeling it I don't want to have intercourse because I have a hard time orgasming and it's just then it feels like I'm doing it for him like um, intercourse isn't for me it's for him so we have all these different ideas and feelings and experiences in relations to various sex acts and like when are we gonna talk about it and I, I often said to them I'm like okay this needs to be about um, these, the Icelandic word is but it's about being realistic and containing those expectations so if you ask for sex for you so you say to your partner okay um, would you mind pleasuring me and you can talk about pleasuring with the mouth or with hands or whatever but if you can ask your partner like do you mind pleasuring me and I just really want to orgasm I want to have this really special time with you but then I would also like like no more sex than that it would just be about this sex and nothing else nothing more and your partner would be able to say this back to you maybe not at that exact time but at another time and this would be a negotiation so sex would be a negotiation not like some spontaneous always following the same recipe but this negotiation of what are we going to do are you okay with doing just that? Um, if I wanted to evolve f- further, then I might ask you, are you up for this? And it's okay for, the, for you to say no, like I won't be disappointed. But I know this is hard. It sounds clinical. It's not black and white. It isn't. There are a lot of gray areas here in between. But unless we go, I think, back to the beginning and we just totally reconstruct how we talk about sex how we um, talk to our partner and how we are allowed to embrace bodies both ourselves and that of our partner we're not gonna change and sex just is gonna be boring in our relationship and we're just gonna be counting the days and years until we don't have to have sex with our partner anymore and resentment and all these negative feelings will grow between us because we won't allow for playfulness or just like affection and just the joy of touching somebody else because we have all these unspoken words hanging in the air and they're not addressed because we took this out of it this one thing that needs to be our our total our theme our heartstring that needs to be this element of just touch doesn't need to be sexual but it needs to be intimate. And I totally distinguish between 
sexual being sexual and being intimate to me it's not necessarily intertwined you can have you can have sex within your long-term relationship without being intimate and you can totally be intimate without having sex it's just how you guys connect so there are so many facets that we need to work on so many different avenues the avenues that we need to look into when it comes to sex but uh first and foremost like they say on the airplane if the if we are experiencing loss of oxygen people put the mask on yourself first before assisting other others so ladies this message goes out to you experience your pleasure give it a shot try and masturbate figure out if how how the pleasure is within you and how much you are capable of because it is totally underestimated and you guys underestimate yourself you guys need to totally realize the full potential of your sexual power and by yourself on your own terms and you need to give yourself that pleasure you need to allow yourself that pleasure to just be like whoa i could do that that was me that was all me and i didn't even know i liked it that way huh who would have thought this is what I can do and this is what I think and this is how I feel and this is how my body works so amazing so this is my message to you on a Saturday here in Iceland the weather's warming up 8 degrees Celsius light blue skies white clouds mountains far far away blue ocean and a bit cold I have to say a bit windy windy and Iceland. But this is Sigaduck Sexologist. Um, thanks for listening. You can find me on Facebook, Sex in Iceland, and you can find me on Instagram, Sigaduck Sexologist. Over and out.